You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 95 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and I am back in the muffled, soundproofed confines of my closet this week after being in the kitchen with a very lovable but very loud Labrador retriever. Thank you for bearing with me in last week's episode. I hope it wasn't too terribly distracting, the sound quality. I'm happy to be back to normal this week for you guys. And today we are talking about using steaks in the garden. This is something that when I first started gardening, I had a lot of questions about. And it's actually something that I get a decent number of questions about, too. I don't know why we're all so nervous about using steaks in the garden, Um, You know, whether they're made out of steel or bamboo or galvanized wire, what have you. But we're all a little worried about it. So I'm going to give you some general advice, some sort of common sense to apply to various situations. And then I'm going to wrap up by telling you kind of my short list of plants, you know, vegetable plants especially, that I do feel like benefiting from staking in the garden. So... That is what we're going to be talking about today, but first, a word from our sponsor. So we all, as humans, need a little support sometimes. And honestly, plants are no exception, especially ones that grow really tall and produce lots of fruit, lots of really heavy fruit sometimes. And the best way to meet any sort of unexpected need for support is with plant stakes. Now, when I talk about unexpected need for support, there are vegetable plants, fruit plants, you know, that we kind of know in advance that they are going to need support. So things like tomatoes, right? We know those are going to need support. That's why we see tomato cages. Things like melons. We know that if we're growing them vertically, that fruit is really heavy. They're going to need something to climb. And then they're probably going to need support in the way of slings, right? Like a melon sling. And in this case, no, that's not a euphemism for talking about a bra. Um, You really can make slings to help support melons so that they don't fall off the vine while they're ripening, which is something that I'll talk about in a later episode. There are certain plants, though, that you might, as a beginning gardener, not realize that can sometimes benefit from the usage of stakes. Like I said in the intro, whether they're made out of bamboo or plastic or galvanized wire or steel, really doesn't matter. Totally up to you. It's what you feel like is better for your garden or the situation. But you do have to be careful with stakes. And so I have some tips that you should know and maybe kind of follow when using stakes in the garden, just so that 
any potential damage to plants is kind of limited as much as possible when you are employing, you know, the supportive stakes in the garden. So first, let's talk about the best time to insert plant stakes. It's really best to insert plant stakes when your vegetable seedling is very young or newly transplanted. This way, you know where the roots are. You know that they haven't spread out really far. It's kind of right there underneath the seedling. And that way, you can ensure that pushing the stake down into the soil won't damage any newly established roots. If you've just transplanted your seedling, you can put the stake in as close as like half an inch away from the seedling, between the seedling and the stake. The closer the stake is to the stem of the seedling, the more support it's able to provide without stressing the seedling, kind of stretching it over. Now, in terms of how to insert stakes next to mature plants, sometimes, you know, we we all have good intentions. We all want to think that a certain plant is not going to need a stake, and so we don't insert the stake, you know, when it's newly transplanted or when we sow seed. And sometimes more developed plants surprise you by needing a little support from stakes. And you know what? We're going to talk about several of those plants when I talk about the specific plants that may need a little bit of help in your garden. Um, Sometimes it can be due to you didn't plant them deep enough. Sometimes it's because of torrential rain or wind, things that whipped your plants every which way. And even though you've given them a few days to straighten up, they're just kind of lacking in support. Don't worry. You can totally insert stakes next to mature or mature-ish plants. The key is to use a stake with a pointed tip and go very slowly. So these two things are critical. Why a pointed tip? Only a stake with a pointed tip pushed in slowly will gently budge a root out of the way. So if you think about a straw, right, trying to just like poke a straw into the ground. It's not pointed, right? It's cylindrical. And because it's blunt, it's not going to kind of push anything out of the way. It's going to push whatever it meets down, eventually sort of doing damage to whatever it meets, if it does meet anything like a root. Whereas something that's pointed, a stake that's pointed, is going to kind of slowly, like the point will hit that obstruction, in this instance, a root, and it will kind of slide off typically to one side or the other, rather than, you know, piercing through the root. Because even though it's pointed, it's it's not pointed that sharply that it will pierce through the root unless you are driving it in there really fast, which is that second point that I said, you want to make sure that you go slow. So if you have a mature plant that needs to be staked, use a pointed stake and kind of push it into the the dirt slowly. If you need to push it in further and you've reached a point where you can't use any more of your strength to do it, you need something like a mallet to continue pounding it in, push it in as far as you possibly can. And then once you feel like you've kind of gotten below root level that the danger of disturbing or damaging any roots, then you can go ahead and, and pound it in a little bit deeper with a mallet or a hammer, whatever you have. 
So, for example, something like a bamboo stake, an unsharpened one, and I never, honestly, I've never been able to find a sharpened bamboo stake. I love bamboo stakes. They they last, you know, honestly, several years out in the garden. You can find uncolored ones. Sometimes I have found one and had to buy ones that are like this funky green color and the green comes off on your hands while you are kind of pushing them into the soil. I don't recommend those. If you can, I recommend getting, you know, natural bamboo stakes that have not been artificially colored. I, I don't know why they why you would do that, but it does happen. So a bamboo stake, though, is not going to be something that's a good option for staking a mature plant because it's going to be blunt and it's not going to push the roots out of the way as effectively. I have linked to stakes with pointed tips um, that I really like that work really, really well when you're trying to stake a mature plant. Typically, you're going to find that these stakes are plastic. They're a hardened plastic. I know I, I'd like to try and avoid buying plastic as much as possible, but these work really well for me. I have tried to sharpen bamboo stakes, but a lot of the times what I actually end up doing is just like splintering the end. Maybe the knife isn't right. Maybe my technique isn't right. I don't know, but I haven't managed to make it work. Another thing you could do though is you could get dowel rods and you could sharpen the ends of those if you're not wanting to use plastic in your garden at all. That's another option. A dowel rod is probably going to whittle down into a sharp point a little bit easier than a bamboo stake. So those are just kind of some options there. Like I said, if you need to stake a mature plant and you need one with a pointy, a pointy end, that is going to work well. So you have the stake there. Whether it's a newly transplanted plant or a mature plant, you've got it in the ground. Well, obviously it's not going to do much good uh, unless you tie the plant or secure the plant somehow to the stake, right? That's what enables the stake to give the plant support. But you can't tie it with just any old thing. You kind of need to choose your ties wisely. So let me give you some examples of bad plant ties. Wire of any kind, even if it's coated wire. It's inflexible, and as the plant grows bigger, the wire is going to cut into the thickening stem, kind of damaging that xylem and phloem that helps keep water and nutrients flowing up and down the plant. And in addition, as the wire cuts into the stem, bacteria and fungal infections are more of a risk. So don't use wire ties of any kind. An okay plant tie is going to be plastic clips. So technically, right, these aren't ties, they're clips, but they're a good sort of middle ground in between, you know, something as solid and inflexible as wire and then something that's really soft and flexible like the, like the plant ties I'm going to talk about next. So plastic clips are really, really good for clipping up vines, things that, you know, they've gotten as thick as they're going to get. They are not going to get terribly much thicker. Things like, oh, I would say melon vines, squash vines, anything like that. They're going to be really, really good for that. I would not recommend a plastic clip 
for clipping the stem of like, say, a broccoli plant to a stake. Because the stem of a broccoli plant, if you've ever grown broccoli, I mean, it just has unlimited capacity for fattening up, it seems like. So at some point, it is going to get too fat for that plastic clip. And it's either going to break the plastic clip or the plastic clip is going to sort of cut off that broccoli stem, cut into it, and it's going to impact its growth. So make sure you're only using those plastic clips on, on things that you don't have to worry about them, the stem, the vine growing too big for. Lastly, my favorite things to use for plant ties are Velcro ties. I have a link in the sister post, which you can find in the show notes as always, to the Velcro ties that I use. It's basically a big roll of this green Velcro that you can cut into different lengths. You can unstick them and readjust throughout the season if the plant is getting, like the stem of the broccoli plant, let's say, is growing fatter and it's kind of running out of room. You can kind of unstick the Velcro, adjust it, make it a little looser, and then stick it back. They're inexpensive. They can be used year after year without losing much in the way of adhesion. I, over the past, I would say, five years, have bought two rolls of it. And honestly, I haven't needed to buy more just because I keep reusing it. It is a little bit of a pain in the butt. You know, you've got all these these little short, you know, sections of, of Velcro ribbon um, that you kind of have to collect. And if you're a little bit of a neat freak like me, what I do with it is I just kind of roll it back into a flat disc like the one it came in and kind of overlap the ends a little bit and stick them to each other. That usually works out the best in terms of storing it. But there are other really good soft plant ties. You can get like woven fabrics, plant ties, uh, a lot of different places. The thing that I don't like about the fabric plant ties, I mean, if you have just like a bunch of random fabric, like let's say you sew a lot and you've got a lot of random like jersey knit fabric that's really kind of nice and stretchy, or you've got just like some plain cotton muslin and you can kind of cut that into strips. Those make really great plant ties as well. The only thing is, is they, because they're cotton, they have a tendency to break down with exposure to the elements and they don't last quite as long as, as the Velcro ties do. So yes, absolutely make do with what you got. Those are a really great option. They can be loosened up really nicely as well as needed. But the Velcro ties I've just found last really, really great from year to year. So those are my tips for staking plants, whether what to do if your plant has matured already and you need to stake it, and then kind of what I would advise for how to tie the plant to the stake for support. So let's talk about a few kinds of vegetables and fruits that can benefit from using stake support in the garden. Number one, corn. So corn has a shallow root system and as a result it can easily be blown over in a summer storm especially once the ears begin to form and make it kind of top heavy, make the stock top heavy. If you do it early enough, hilling the soil up around the base of the corn stalk helps. 
But if you didn't know that you needed to do that, and you know your corn stalks are getting kind of blown around, you can use a stake as extra support if needed. Again, you know, just make sure that you are inserting the stake nice and slow, preferably using one with a pointed tip if your corn plants are kind of starting to mature, are fairly along in the growing process. Now, not everybody needs to stake their corn. Obviously, you see corn growing out in fields all the time, and not a one of those stalks of corn are staked. This really kind of just happens to us in home gardens where, you know, things are just a lot more susceptible to wind and storm damage. I mean, you do have storm damage and wind damage in fields. You know, farmers do experience that. But the thing is, is they are growing thousands or millions of corn plants, whereas maybe you only had room for 10. And if a storm wipes them out, then you don't get any corn. So it's in your best interest to stake your corn in that case. The next vegetable that can really benefit from from staking sometimes is broccoli. Broccoli plants get big. If you've never grown them before, you'll be surprised just how big they get. They take up a lot of room. And if you don't transplant them deeply enough, this is something I learned the first time I had I tried to plant broccoli, they will need extra support when late spring storms start to roll in. I remember the first time I tried to grow broccoli and a storm rolled through. My little broccoli plants looked like they had been like head banging to hair metal all night and they were kind of just like laying on the ground. They were fine. They just kind of needed a little support. Since then, I've learned that, you know, you really should plant your broccoli seedlings to the very, as deep as the very first set of leaves. If you do that, you won't need to stake them typically. So I don't have to stake my broccoli anymore, but if you planted your broccoli a little too shallow or, you know, for some reason something else happened, you may find that staking your broccoli is a big help. We think a lot about regular tomatoes and staking those, but my next recommendation is going to be for cherry tomatoes. For some reason, uh, when I first started gardening, I did not think that I would need to stake my cherry tomato plant. Maybe it's because growing up, you know, my mom grew cherry tomatoes from time to time and I had never seen a need to stake those plants, but they were always pretty small plants that were grown in a pot. I like to grow sun gold cherry tomatoes, which if you have never grown them, these plants get absolutely enormous. I had one vine on a plant a couple of years ago get like 10 feet long. So there are some varieties of cherry tomato plant that will definitely benefit from the support of a stake. Could I use a tomato cage for that? Yes, but honestly, sometimes I don't have the room for a tomato cage, uh, depending on how closely I've planted my, my plants together. And so a stake is really just kind of a nice alternative. The next plant that can benefit, honestly, that I almost feel like has to have a stake is quinoa. So if you listened to the podcast episode a while ago about growing quinoa in your home garden, 
which is absolutely possible, you know that it gets really top heavy. It starts out looking like this tiny little lamb's quarter, like like the tiny little lamb's quarter weed, but eventually it shoots up and sprouts this magnificent mane of seeds, which is wonderful, but like I said, very top heavy. And in strong summer winds, that will blow around like crazy without the help of a stake. And even if it doesn't get windy, the stalks can still end up toppling over without strong support and kind of invading nearby, you know, plants and neighboring beds. So I definitely recommend staking quinoa plants if you are trying to grow quinoa. And I recommend using a steel garden stake, not plastic, not bamboo. You need steel for those bad boys. I honestly do not know how they grow quinoa without staking it in a field. Peppers. This is the next vegetable. So some pepper plants need a whole tomato cage to support them. Like I have seen some bell pepper plants get like seven feet tall. I don't know how people do it. My bell pepper plants never get that big, but I always transplant my pepper seedlings whether they're a bell pepper or jalapeno pepper plant with a stake close by. I've never needed a tomato cage for a pepper plant. If you end up having pepper plants that are that huge, good on you. I'm happy for you. Don't forget to share the wealth with your friends and neighbors. But I can usually get by with a simple stake for pepper plants. I do find, though, that I do need to stake them because if you end up getting loaded down with a lot of peppers in late August and early September, that can be a lot of weight for the plant to kind of deal with. I have found that pepper plants, though, with smaller peppers like cayennes, can get by without the help of a stake at all. Like they don't, they don't need any help. Eggplants. So it depends on the variety, but eggplant can produce big bulbous fruit that easily weighs down the plant when they get bigger. Popular varieties like Black Beauty, something that I see I think most gardeners grow when they start growing eggplant, unless you were seduced by those really cool looking Japanese eggplant or something like that. They need the help of a stake to keep from dragging along the ground. Smaller eggplant varieties like Patio Baby, they generally do okay without a stake unless they start producing a ton of fruit at once, which they can. But I would say definitely plan on staking your eggplant. And I would probably say use a steel stake, garden stake, or a pretty beefy like wooden stake, like a dowel rod or something like that. Sunflowers. Granted, not a vegetable, <laughs> but I did say I, I did say fruits. I should have said fruits and other plants. So sunflowers while they do develop incredibly strong, thick, fibrous stems, strong as like a javelin pole, seriously, by the time that they, they reach full maturity, young sunflower plants can get blown over in late spring or early summer if they haven't grown strong enough yet. So it's kind of as they mature that the stems get really strong, really sturdy. So I give mine a little help. 
by sowing the seed next to a bamboo stake each spring. Once the stalk has thickened up a bit and stiffened, I remove the plant ties and the stake can be removed. Sometimes I leave the stake in the ground, you know, with the plant because after I've untied it, it's not hurting anything. And in fact, sometimes you have the risk of damaging the plant when you remove the stake in case the plant's roots have kind of like grown around the stake or really close to the stake. So leaving it in the ground next to it not gonna hurt anything. I just make sure that I untie it. Finally, raspberries. So raspberry canes can get kind of unruly. Uh, In a small garden, honestly, raspberry canes are really kind of tough because they like to spread everywhere. You will have a lot of canes that will grow really nice and vertical and they won't invade the neighbors nearby but then you'll have canes that kind of just have a mind of their own and they just decide they're gonna grow completely horizontal and they're just gonna bully, you know, the basil right next to them or something like that. So in the case of raspberries, when that happens, sometimes having stakes on hand to kind of put into the soil and lash that raspberry cane to just to keep it from horning in on the space of its neighbors can be really helpful helps you keep the garden nice and tidy make sure everything is happy and has enough room to grow so that is my last kind of surprising plant that can benefit from stakes. If you have other things that you have found the need to stake in your garden, let me know about it. Hit me up, send me a message on Instagram. My handle is at B and Basil, all one long word, no capital letters, no underscores, anything like that. You can also drop a comment in the sister post for this episode, but I'd be interested to hear which ones that you have found a need for using stakes with in the garden. In the next episode, I am going to be talking about how to manage squash bugs. You've heard me talk about my war with squash bugs before. I'm never going to be able to find a way to be rid of them completely. They are just a reality in my part of the world. They're not a problem for everyone, but if they are a problem for you, or if you're growing squash for the first time this year and you're not sure if they're a problem for you, then you might want to listen in (laughs) to this episode because I have a lot of tips and tricks that I have developed over the years to just help me manage the constant onslaught of squash bugs in my garden. So that's what I'm going to be talking about next week. Until then, happy May, everybody. I have my tomatoes out. I have my pepper plants, my eggplants, my warm weather herbs like my basil out, and I am up and running. I'm so excited. Almost every single bed has something in it. I need to get out there and plant the corn once it warms up. The popcorn is going in the ground this weekend, and I cannot wait because, honestly, homegrown popcorn tastes way better than the other stuff. Not going to lie. So thank you so much. I hope, just like mine, your garden is off to a fantastic start this year, and I will talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.